Ganja. Ganja everywhere. Don't laugh, or it could get you arrested. And motorcycle helmets. All that and more coming up on tonight's show. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Welcome in, everybody. Oh, man. This is the show that's either going to get me banned or arrested. I don't know which. And frankly, I don't give a crap. So there you go. Hello, welcome. Hello to our podcast listeners across uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple, iTunes, and uh, just about every platform you can imagine. We have a uh, we have our audio part of the show that goes out right after our uh, our live stream. Also, as you noticed, we are still only on Facebook Live. We will be back on Twitch and Rumble and YouTube soon best i can give you soon i don't know when soon and by the way we're seriously considering stopping our youtube channel i've got bunches of over almost 400 subscribers over there i've got of all the videos i've posted i've got almost three quarters of a million views on you know all the different videos that i put up there uh not just this show but YouTube lately has taken to doing some really ridiculous censoring of people's opinions. And in a purely political move, I'm seriously thinking about just dumping the YouTube channel. I will always be at Rumble. You can always find us at Rumble. We love Rumble. Please, please, please. If you care anything about free speech and the lack of censorship, uh, you need to sign up for an account at Rumble.com. It's totally free. Just go to rumble.com. You can get out from anywhere on the planet. I've been there for quite a while. All of my shows are over there. We're normally live also on Rumble. We'll be back live on Rumble in a little bit. Right now, we put up the video replay on YouTube, Rumble, and uh, not on Twitch because Twitch is screwed up. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, that's the background on the show and what's going on with us here. And uh, we have our live stream Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 o'clock. Malaysia time and among the many things we do on this show is to update you on our favorite little furry girl Miko update Ms. Miko who right now is chilling out downstairs hanging out and uh, just basically having a good time and having an attitude she always has an attitude see This was, uh, what, yesterday? The day before? I forget. I think the day before yesterday. And uh, this is our little girl who uh, was kind of giving me a little side-eye too there. Um, yeah, she's, uh, you can see her house in the background. And uh, finally, I managed to get a good portrait shot of her. So there you go. She's doing really well. Her fur has pretty much stopped shedding temporarily. It's growing back in. She's filling out a little more, so she's starting to look back to the way she used to look but uh she's doing she's doing well and uh we love her to pieces so there you go all right what else we got going on tonight oh yeah ganja ganja everywhere that's uh, one of our big stories on the uh, show tonight uh these headlines popped up in the uh (laughs) oh man 
you know, one of these days, Malaysia will actually maybe come up into, I don't know, maybe the 18th, 19th century, something like that. But sadly, that day ain't today. As you know, in Thailand, they have, for all intents, legalized marijuana use and growing uh, because Thailand is leaps and bounds ahead of uh, the game when it comes to uh, the reality of uh, what marijuana is. And uh, we've talked about it before on this show. It's a herb. It's a plant. It's not a drug. It's not a gateway drug. This is all bullcrap they fed you in the 50s and 60s to try and turn you away from drugs. It's crap. It's bullsh stuff. And yet there are still people to this day and age, believe it or not, who actually believe this crap. Well, this story came out. This is funny. It's from the Malay Mail. The link at the moment is not in our show notes, but they will be there right after the show is over. So you can check out all these links. Although Thailand has allowed the use or smoking of cannabis, ganja, uh, Malaysians visiting the kingdom are prohibited from returning with the substance. Well, no, Sherlock. Uh, that, according to the Perlis police chief, Datuk Serena Saad, uh, she said the police would take action against any individual bringing in cannabis into Malaysia, even if it were included in little cakes and other foodstuff and drinks. Uh, we don't have the power to prevent anyone from touring the neighboring country and taking cannabis there, but legal action can be taken under the Dangerous Drugs Act. Well, see, first of all, that's where you got it wrong, because it's not a dangerous drug, but you do you, morons. Uh, anyway, uh, if uh, they're returning with the substance, now obviously it's banned here, it's illegal, so you can't bring it in, but this is something I found interesting. She said, if you come in under the influence of the drug. Okay. Uh, you know, probably that's what would happen is that, you know, if somebody came in stone, they just basically laugh at them. Uh, anyway, she was talking to reporters yesterday uh, about this. And uh, so, of course, it it wound up in the uh, in the news. And this uh, this silly uh, Perlis police chief uh, this is another article from uh, asianews.network. A uh, link will be in the show notes tonight. Um, this was a funny comment. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, this is her speaking. Personally, I advise Malaysians not to try ganja while they're in Thailand, although it is allowed there, as the habit of smoking can be detrimental to your health. You're wrong. It is not detrimental to your health. And in fact, in some cases, in the medical use of marijuana, it's quite helpful. So, uh, fact check, eh, entirely false. Articles in the show notes if you want to waste your time reading this. So uh, feel free to go over there and check it out. Uh, I would suggest, however, that you find something else to do. Like, you know, I don't know, cut your dog's nails or something. Uh, yeah. All right. So speaking of stupidity, another article that appeared, this one is from the world of buzz. You'll find the link in our show notes. Uh, sadly, I've said this on more than one occasion and it is true. Uh, the one thing, the one thing that this country is lacking, I know I'm being a bit Malaysia centric tonight, but yeah. You can relate if you're listening to other parts of this show on other parts of the world because 
similar things are happening all around. Um, sadly. But uh, the one thing, as I was saying, that you do not have in Malaysia, and it is the one thing that really defines a democracy. I know we don't live in a democracy. Relax, sit down. I know. I'm fully aware. But the one thing that defines us as humans is our ability to speak freely, to say what's on our mind. Whether you get offended by that or not, doesn't matter. And don't give me the fire in a crowded theater bullcrap either, because that's absolutely has nothing to do with it. And it's a complete farce. This article, I, I, I mentioned this in a previous show, but uh, just yesterday, I believe, um, Crackhouse Comedy Club co-founder to be charged tomorrow over racist clips. Uh, that was yesterday. So this article was from Thursday in connection with a video recording of a comedy performance, a comedy performance that is claimed to be claimed to be derogatory and racist. Uh, he was charged in Kuala Lumpur sessions court yesterday. He pled not guilty Good on you, uh, Rizal. Fight it with every ounce of energy you have. Charges made by the Classified Crime Investigation Unit of the Bukit Amman Criminal Investigation Department in accordance with a section of the Communications and Multimedia Act of 1998, which will show you just how out of touch the Multimedia Act is since it hasn't been likely updated since 1998. Earlier, it was reported the police had arrested the 39-year-old co-founder for a comedy act. That's where we are. You think Dave Chappelle being canceled is bullcrap? This is bullcrap. Arrested to help with investigations into the spread of two video clips at the comedy club that allegedly touched on the sensitivities and is considered race racist. Ooh, you're a racist. He was actually put in the lockup at police headquarters. Arrested due to several reports made against him and was remanded for a day before being released on bail. <sighs> Here's a follow-up story about Rizal Van Giesel. He's pled not guilty at Sessions Court to three counts of posting offensive content on his social media accounts. Uh, he claimed trial to the charges after they were read out. Uh, the stand-up comedian merely answered tidat, which is no, uh, when asked whether he was pleading guilty. According to the charge sheet, accused of uploading the content on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok with intention to annoy others. Well, if you can be charged with a crime for intending to annoy others, we might just as well put bars around this whole damn country. And lock everybody up. In fact, not just this country. 
every country on the planet. Believe it or not, a maximum fine with this ridiculous charge of 50,000 ringgit and up to one year imprisonment. Uh, can be fined 1,000 each day is the, if the offense continues after conviction. A whole lot of people in the comedy business and the entertainment business are standing behind Rizal, and uh, as am I, and I really hope people... Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a... It's just words on a page. I'm not going to share the, the thing. You put the link in the show notes. I encourage you, please, to go read this because it's brilliantly written. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's from Crimson Sh- uh, Haddo. Or shadow um, about the comedy club debacle and authorities throwing the book at the stripping lady who supposedly insulted Islam and Rizal, the comedy club owner, for insulting Malays. Uh, she shows clips in this article with links to all different races of all different comedians: uh, Ronnie Chang, Russell Peters, uh, Alexander Babu. And uh, basically is saying, here's very famous comedians making fun of their race. It's comedy, you idiots, you losers, losers. It's comedy. Being able to appreciate and laugh off self-deprecating humor is part and parcel of being a mature and sensible adult. Thank you for saying that. Brilliant from Crimson. Read the whole article. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but I cannot encourage you enough to check it out. The link is in our show notes, or it will be soon. Uh, Just check it out down below and read this whole article, because she, if indeed Crimson is a he or a she, I don't know, but whatever your pronoun might be, uh, they hit the nail on the head. It's brilliantly written very very well done and i uh, i encourage you to go check that out all righty what else have we got cooking around this place tonight it's saturday night isn't it yeah i thought so by the way the traffic tonight we went out to dinner about an hour ago oh man around sunway sunway pyramid insane there was some broken down car but here the minute one car breaks down on the side of the road first of all if your car breaks down, again, remember, we drive on the wrong side of the road here in Malaysia. Uh, if your car breaks down, don't leave it right out there in the fast lane. Move it over to the side. Go to the left. If, if it's dead and it won't run, then get some friends to help you push it over there. Get your car. I don't know where the mindset came in this country, but whenever people's cars break down, even on a multi-lane uh, you know, limited access highway. If you're in the fast lane and your car breaks down, these idiots just leave their car there. First of all, you're going to die. It's insanely dangerous. Second of all, that is the worst possible. I mean, everyone goes to the right to get away from a block in the road. Move your car to the left. Just uh, habits. People have these weird habits here when their cars break down. Please don't do that because you're just causing more of a nightmare for everybody else. And in fact, that's exactly what happened tonight. A car broke down. They left it in the right-hand lane. 
where everyone would normally go to the right to go around you, but no, you just dumped your car there and left it where it died instead of getting the thing off to the left where it belongs. Literally, traffic was backed up for like four, five, six kilometers. And it was standstill. It wasn't moving anywhere. It was insane. Coffee break time. Okay, Jay's little dramas. All right, I'm going to share them. Uh, (laughs) Take a look at this picture. You know what that is? If you were listening on the podcast, check out the link in our show notes. That is a motorcycle helmet. That is a motorcycle helmet after the person that was wearing it was in a crash. For all those of you who don't wear helmets, the writer Stacy Mock writes, this is my cousin's helmet. Imagine if he didn't have that helmet on. Look at that. Those scrapes across that helmet would have been across his face. He would have walked away with broken bones, cut, scrapes, road rash. He is alive and his face is intact fully. No matter how careful you are, you can never predict that somebody might run out in front of you. Somebody might cut you off in traffic. Wear your helmet If you need convincing, take a look at that. There's a convincer for you. By the way, that goes for bicycles, skateboarding, kayaking, whatever it is, but especially motorcycles. And we have so many motorcycles in this country, it's insane. Truthfully, I see most motorcyclists of all age groups, of all genders, of all makes and shapes and sizes. Thankfully, and good on you, Malaysia, most people do wear helmets. Strangely enough, you don't put your kids in seatbelts, which I will never understand why you're trying to kill your family. But for some odd reason, maybe it's because it's such an obvious thing and the cops will give you a ticket if you're not good But most people will wear helmets, which is good. Good news. Good on you. But if, like I said, if if you think, ah, it's too cumbersome, I don't like it, it's only a short trip, you take a look at that and imagine if that was only a short trip. There is a convincer if there ever was one. Absolutely frightening. Wow. Scary stuff. Uh, right. One or two more here. You know what? <laughs> uh, I think Zane posted this, you know, crazy Zane. Um, and I loved it. I, I actually should have backed it up into our ganja story because <laughs> when, when people get inventive to skate around things, they don't agree with. I love it. I love it. It's, very cool. Take a look. The link's in our show notes if you want to check it out. It's it's just a meme kind of thing with a with some words. But it's Vino Sano Grape Brick. During Prohibition, now if you don't know, in the U.S. there was a time where alcohol was illegal. It was banned. And, of course, that just led to a ridiculously huge black market in bootleg alcohol. 
and uh, it didn't stop people from drinking much as they thought it would. And uh, anyway, during this prohibition, the winemaking industry created a rather ingenious solution to sneaking around the law. They started selling concentrated grape juice, known as wine blocks. It was just a block of grape juice that was concentrated. And it had a warning label that literally had the procedure for making wine written on it. (laughs) I love it. This is what was written on the block of concentrated grape juice. After dissolving the brick in a gallon of water, do not place the liquid in a jug for 20 days because it will then turn into wine. Yeah. (laughs) So they came out with this concentrated grape juice, perfectly legal. It's not alcohol. And they included the warning, also known as instructions, that said after dissolving the the brick in a gallon of water, do not put it in the jug for 20 days because it will turn into wine. (laughs) Oh, man. See, that's what I mean. People who just figure out inventive ways to skate the system. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. All right. And I got, uh, I got one more for you. I hesitate to put this idiot's face on screen because I don't want to give this person any more publicity than, uh, than she already gets. She doesn't deserve it. You may or may not know of Brittany Griner. Um, You will know about this loser once I get done reading this. A group of people wrote an open letter to Brittany Griner. Said, Dear Mrs. Griner, we hope this letter finds you in good health, and we understand you're having some rough times in your life. We're a group of old Vietnam combat veterans from North Carolina. Our average age is around 70 years old. We call ourselves the Bunker Boys. We spend a lot of time living in rat and snake-infested holes in the ground, known as bunkers. When we weren't in the bunkers, we were crawling through the jungle, being shot at and shooting back at little people wearing black pajamas. We must be honest and tell you that the only thing we may have in common with you is that we too were drafted. We noticed you were drafted number one in the WNBA draft a few years ago. Since we all were drafted, we thought we might let you know what it was like then, when we were drafted. Unlike you, most of us had no college. People of the United States drafted us. We consisted of all colors, religions, personal beliefs, We had no choice of which team we played for, Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marines. We were sent halfway around the world to fight and kill people we didn't know in a place we'd never heard of. We were paid, we know you can relate to this, $3 a day and required to work 24 hours a day if needed. 
when we returned home, many or most of us were treated very badly by our fellow Americans. We were spit on, hit by bottles and rocks as the police stood by and watched. We didn't complain. We just continued on in life, made the best of it. We fought for God, family, country, and of course, the flag and the national anthem. A poem that was written by, of all people, a lawyer. He wrote the poem as he watched bombs fall on and kill fellow Americans. Ever since that night, our nations played that little poem before millions of social functions. For some people, it's just a little song. For a veteran, it's a reminder of how many men and women of all colors have given their life so the rest can have the right to be free. We found in our research that you requested the national anthem not be played at sporting events. We find it odd that now you're requesting the citizens of the United States to pay for your release from a jail in Russia. Yes, we the taxpayers are paying for all of those diplomats working on your release. Our government told you and all fellow Americans in Russia to leave Russia after the invasion of the Ukraine. You played basketball in the country that's known to treat Americans badly. You fly a great deal, must have known by now all the rules of what one can and cannot bring into a country. All of us that travel know the rules for entering a foreign country. You're a guest, must go by the rules of the land. By your own admission, you are attempting to bring an illegal substance into a country that's known for its long prison sentences. You had known this because you're making a million dollars a year to play a game and hold a college degree. At six feet nine inches tall, you know that security officers are going to be focused on you from the moment you stand in the boarding pass line. We also noticed that you're now saying you placed the drugs in your luggage by accident. Please. That is something an 18-year-old would say. We also found out that your net worth is somewhere around 5 million bucks for playing a game. Don't get us wrong. We're not against you. We all went and fought so all Americans can have the freedom to make their own choices. We just hope the next time you have to endure the playing of that little poem, you'll pay close attention to the line, Land of the Free. Wishing you the very best, the Bunker Boys. The link to that is in our show notes also tonight. Well written and uh, amazing. Incredible. All right. It is time to lighten the mood a little bit. And we do that with our book. We've been reading books on this show from almost the very beginning. 200 and what is it? 242 episodes ago. And uh, we've done a whole bunch of them. They all come from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. That link is also in our show notes. 
And they're all in the public domain. We've done Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Winnie the Pooh, uh, you name it. We've done uh, The Velveteen Rabbit, uh, so many books. We read a chapter or part of a chapter at a time until we get to the end. And then we find another book and start all over again. And right now we've been doing The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which uh, each chapter is a new adventure. And uh, we are on this uh, strange blue gemstone that was found in the crop of a goose, a Christmas goose. And uh, apparently Holmes and Watson are on the trail of where this goose came from and how this precious jewel got in the goose. Well, this may save us a visit to Brixton Road, said Holmes. Come with me, and we'll see what is to be made of this fellow. Striding through the scattered knots of people who lounged around the flaring stalls, my companion speedily overtook the little man and touched him on the shoulder. He sprang round, and I could see in the gaslight the very vestige of color had been driven from his face. Who are you, then? What do you want? he asked in a quavering voice. Uh, you will excuse me, said Holmes blandly, but I couldn't help overhearing the questions you were putting to the salesman just now. Uh, I think you could be of some assistance, or I could be of some assistance to you. You? Who are you? How could you know anything of the matter? Uh, my name is Sherlock Holmes. It's my business to know what other people don't know. But you can know nothing of this. Excuse me, I know everything of it. You are endeavoring to trace some geese which were sold by Mrs. Oakshot of Brixton Road to a salesman named Breckenridge, by him in turn to Mr. Windigate of the Alpha, and by him to his club, of which Mr. Henry Baker is a member. Oh, sir, you are the very man whom I have longed to meet, cried the little fellow with outstretched hands and quivering fingers, I can hardly explain to you how interested I am in this matter. Sherlock Holmes hailed a four-wheeler which was passing. In that case, we'd better discuss it in a cozy room rather than this wind-swept marketplace, said he. Uh, but pray tell me, before we go further, who is it I have the pleasure of assisting? The man hesitated for an instant. My name is... "'John Robinson,' he answered, with a sidelong glance. "'No, no, uh, the real name,' said Holmes sweetly. "'It is always awkward doing business with an alias.' "'A flush sprang to the white cheeks of the stranger. Uh, "'Well, then,' said he, uh, "'my real name is James Ryder.' "'Precisely so. "'Head attendant at the Hotel Cosmopolitan.' Pray, step into the cab, and I shall soon be able to tell you everything you would wish to know. A little man stood glancing from side to side to each of the other of us, half-frightened, half-hopeful eyes, as one who's not sure whether he's on the verge of a windfall or a catastrophe. And then he stepped into the cab, and in half an hour we were back in the sitting room at Baker Street. Nothing been said during our drive but the high, thin breathing of our new companion and the clasping and unclasping of his hands spoke of the nervous tension within him. Here we are, said Holmes cheerily as we filed into the room. 
The fire looks very seasonable in this weather. You look cold, Mr. Ryder. Pray, take the basket chair, and I'll just put on my slippers before we settle this little matter of ours. Uh, Now then, you want to know what became of those geese? Yes, sir. Oh, or rather, I fancy, of that goose. It was one bird, I imagine, in which you were interested, white with a black bar across the tail. Ryder quivered with emotion. Oh, sir, he cried, can you tell me where it went to? It came here. Here? Yes, and a most remarkable bird it proved. I don't wonder that you should take an interest in it. It laid an egg after it was dead, the bonniest, brightest little blue egg I've ever seen. I have it here in my museum. Our visitor staggered to his feet and clutched the mantelpiece with his right hand. Holmes unlocked his strong box and held up the blue carbuncle, which shone out like a star, with a cold, brilliant, many-pointed radiance. Ryder stood glaring with a drawn face, uncertain whether to claim or disown it. "'The game's up, Ryder,' said Holmes quietly. Hold up, man, or you'll be into the fire. Give him an arm back in his chair, Watson. He's not got blood enough to go into for felony with impunity. Give him a dash of brandy. So, now he looks a little more human. What a shrimp it is, to be sure. For a moment, he had staggered and nearly fallen. But the brandy brought a tinge of color to his cheeks and he sat staring with frightened eyes at his accuser. I have almost every link in my hands, and all the proofs which I could possibly need, so there's little which you need to tell me. Still, that little may as well be cleared up to make the case complete. You had heard, Ryder, of this blue stone of the Countess of Morcar's? It was Catherine Cusack who told me of it he said in a crackling voice. I see, her ladyship's waiting maid. Well, the temptation of sudden wealth so easily acquired was too much for you, as it has been for better men than before you, but you were not very scrupulous in the means you used. It seems to me, Ryder, that there is the making of a very petty villain in you. You knew this man Horner, the plumber, had been concerned in some such manner before, and that the suspicion would rest the more readily upon him. What did you do then? You made some small job in my lady's room, you and your confederate Cusack, and you managed that he should be the man sent for. Then when he'd left, you rifled the jewelry case, raised the alarm, and had this unfortunate man arrested. You then, Ryder threw himself down upon the rug, suddenly clutching at my companion's knees. For God's sakes, have mercy, he shrieked. Think of my father, of my mother. It would break their hearts. I never went wrong before. I never will again. I swear it. I swear it on the Bible. Oh, don't bring it to court. For Christ's sake, don't. Get back to your chair, said Holmes sternly. It is very well to cringe and crawl now. 
but you thought little enough of this poor Horner in the dock for a crime for which he knew nothing. I will fly, Mr. Holmes. I will leave the country, sir. Then the charge against him will break down. Hmm. We'll talk about that. And now let us hear a true account of the next act. How come the stone into the goose? And how came the goose into the open market? Tell the truth, for there lies your only hope of safety. Ryder passed his tongue over his parched lips. I will tell you it just as it happened, sir, said he. When Horner had been arrested, it seemed to me that it would be best for me to get away with the stone at once, for I didn't know at what moment the police might not take it into their heads to search me in my room. There was no place about the hotel where it would be safe. I went out as if on some commission, and I made for my sister's house. She'd married a man named Oakshot, lived in Brixton Road, where she'd fattened fowls for the market. All the way there, every man I met seemed to me to be a policeman or a detective, and for all that, it was a cold night, the sweat was pouring down my face before I came to Brixton Road. My sister asked me what was the matter and why I was so pale, but I told her I'd been upset by the jewelry robbery at the hotel. Then I went into the backyard, smoked a pipe, and wondered what it would be best to do. I had a friend once called Maudsley, who went to the bad, had just been serving his time in Pendenville. One day he'd met me and fell into talk about the ways of thieves, how they could get rid of what they stole. I knew that he would be true to me, for I knew one or two things about him. So I made up my mind to go right on to Kilburn, where he lived, and take him into my confidence. He would show me how to turn the stone into money. But how to get him to safety? I thought of the agonies I'd gone through in coming from the hotel. I might at any moment be seized and searched, and there would be the stone in my waistcoat pocket. I was leaning against the wall at the time and looking at the geese, which were waddling around my feet. And suddenly, an idea came into my head, which showed me how I could beat the best detective that ever lived. My sister told me some weeks before that I might have the pick of her geese for a Christmas present, and I knew she was always as good as her word. I would take my goose now, and in it, I would carry my stone to Kilburn. There was a little shed in the yard, and behind this I drove one of the birds, a fine big one, white with a barred tail. I caught it, pried its bill open, thrust the stone down its throat as far as my finger could reach. The bird gave a gulp, and I felt the stone pass along its gullet and down into its crop. But the creature flapped and struggled, and out came my sister to know what was the matter. As I turned to speak, the brute broke loose and fluttered off among the others. "'Whatever are you doing with that bird, Jen?' says she. "'Well,' said I, you, "'you said you'd give me one for Christmas, and I was feeling uh, which one was the fattest. "'Oh, we've set yours aside for you. "'Jem's bird, we call it. It's the big white one over yonder. "'There's twenty-six of them, which makes one for you and one for us, and two dozen for the market. Thank you, Maggie, says I, but 
If it's all the same to you, I'd rather have that one I was handling just now. The other's a good three pounds heavier, she said, and we fattened it expressly for you. And never mind, I'll have the other one, and I'll take it now, said I. Oh, just as you like, she said, a little huffed. Which is it that you want, then? That one with the barred tail, right in the middle of the flock. Very well, kill it, take it with you. Well, I did what she said, Mr. Holmes, and I carried the bird all the way to Kilburn. I told my pal what I'd done, for he was a man that was easy to tell a thing to. He laughed until he choked. He got a knife, opened the goose, and my heart turned to water, for there was no sign of the stone. I knew that some terrible mistake had occurred. I left the bird, rushed back to my sister's, and hurried into the backyard. There was not a bird to be seen. "'Where have they all gone, Maggie?' I cried. "'Gone to the dealers, Jen.' "'Which dealers?' "'Breckenridge of Covenant Garden.' Oh, "'But there's another one with a barred tail,' I asked. "'The same as the one I chose.' Uh, "'Yes, Jem, there were two barred-tailed ones, "'and I could never tell them apart.' "'Well, then, of course I saw it all, "'and I ran off as hard as my feet would carry me "'to this man Breckenridge. "'But he'd sold the lot at once, "'and not one word would he tell me as to where they'd gone. "'You heard him yourself tonight.' Well, he has always answered me like that. My sister thinks I'm going mad. Sometimes I think I'm going mad myself. And now, well, now I'm myself a branded thief, without ever having touched the wealth for which I sold my character. God help me. God help me. He burst into convulsive sobbing with his face buried in his hands. There was a long silence broken only by his heavy breathing and by the measured tapping of Sherlock Holmes' fingertips upon the edge of the table. And then my friend rose and threw open the door. Get out, he said. What, sir? Oh, heaven bless you. No more words. Get out. And no more words were needed. There was a rush a clatter upon the stairs, and the bang of a door, and the crisp rattle of running footfalls from the street. After all, Watson, said Holmes, reaching his hand for his clay pipe, I'm not retained by the police to supply their deficiencies. If Horner were in danger, it would be another thing. But this fellow will not appear against him, and the case must collapse. I suppose I'm committing a felony, but it's just possible I'm saving a soul. This fellow will not go wrong again. He's too terribly frightened. Send him to jail now, you'll make him a jailbird for life. Besides, it's the season of forgiveness. Chance has put in our way a most singular and whimsical problem, and its solution is its own reward. If you'll have the goodness to touch the bell, Doctor, we'll begin another investigation in which a bird will also be the chief feature. And there you go.
Coming up in our next stream, we'll begin a new chapter in the adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and this is the adventure of the Speckled Band. Cool. All right, we will have that for you coming up on uh, on Monday night. That's going to do it for us. I will see you again Monday, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Please do follow, like, subscribe across whatever platform you catch our show, Facebook, YouTube, uh, twitch.tv, or uh, rumble.com. Can't encourage you enough to check us out and subscribe over at rumble.com. Sign up for a free account over there. You'll find all kinds of cool videos, including this one. And, of course, to our podcast listeners, thank you so much. Find us on all of your podcast platforms and just give us a follow and a subscribe and a like. I'll see you again Monday. Till then, this is the Jay Sheldon Show. And oddly enough, I'm Jay Sheldon. Good night.